just when you thought this whole thing with the Deshaun Watson case couldn't get any crazier, buckle up. It's about to get much worse. So the NFL, it turns out, is going to appeal the six-game suspension ruling by Judge Sue L. Ro- Sue L. Robinson, it was, correct? Yeah, you got it. So, yeah, things are going to get interesting. I'm Adam Wright with special guest uh, Chris Hitu. Yeah, you got Chris. it, Chet. Chet, my yeah, alias Chet, on. Chet by, uh, by, um, by uh, unapologetic with mm-hmm. Chet and Duffy. So, Chet, uh, can, I, can, can I go by Chet? Is that, you can is go that by Chet, by, you can go by right. Chris, it doesn't matter, whatever you feel comfortable with. Well, welcome to the show, first time on. We've been trying to get you on for a while. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, it's been a very busy summer for me, and appreciate you for letting me come on the show, Adam. You guys do a great job on here, and I've been doing podcasting now for probably about, I want to say three years at this point, started off at URI doing that down there, graduated and continue to do the show here on Fans Only Sports Network, uh, debate-style sports podcast called Unapologetic with Chet and Duffy. That's every Thursday at 6 p.m. We'll be going live tonight at 5 p.m. Obviously, this is a pre-recorded episode that we're airing here, but every week we'll have your hottest topics in sports, and there's actually potential now that I create a new podcast, so stay tuned for that. That's something that might be coming up soon. It's a nice little tease. Can't wait to hear. Is there... Do, would you be able to shed a little light on what it's going to be about or? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we, I already have a title for the show in the works. It's already called, um, and Chet's Oscar goes to, and it's a podcast basically surrounding around your pop culture news with movies and television. Cause on top of graduating with a communications degree and having a very strong knowledge in sports, I was a double major in film as well. I shot several movies at URI, studied film very deeply. So sports and film have always been two of my passions in life. So honestly, I've been doing an internship with a network out in California called Believe Network. And their whole podcast network has tons of different athletes. They have a show on there called Believe in Bengals that's run by Pac-Man Jones and uh, Solomon Wilcox. So it's been kind of cool to see professional hosts like that and creating my own show at the end of it. So that was an idea, and that's probably something I'll run by Ron very shortly because I think it's something I definitely want to go forward on. It's a nice idea. I can't wait to hear a little bit about it. And uh, you guys, once it's out, go check it out. Um, So without further ado, we're going to jump right into it. So among other news, there was Anthony Barr, who who was most recently a Viking. He's signing with the Dallas Cowboys, that was news from last night. Also uh, also last night, Marquise Brown, so for, so just recently traded to the Cardinals from the Ravens, gets arrested for speeding. So more to come, I'm sure, on that. Deontay Johnson, who has been a stealer so far, um, he gets extended. So another member of that 2019 wide receiver draft class extended. With only A.J. Brown being traded, when we thought that was going to be a complete crapshoot, that entire draft class, because it seemed like they all wanted out at one point. <clears throat> but the biggest news that we want to get into a little more in depth is Deshaun Watson. So we talked about this a lot on the Tuesday show in the wake of the, the ruling finally being placed, so a six-game suspension. 
The NFL a day later decided to appeal it. So, Chris, I know you had a lot of thoughts on this. What do you have on this? So this is something that me and Duffy, like if our listeners know, this is like a, we've been talking about this whole thing since it unfolded way back in 2021. I believe it was the end of the 2020 NFL season when this news came to light. And he was initially just not even played the whole, all of last year on the Houston Texans. So we, I definitely have a lot to say about this and it's definitely not in the positive light towards Deshaun Watson because this shouldn't be tolerated. And the NFL, I'm very glad that they went ahead with this because after that court ruling, they only had three days to decide if they wanted to appeal it or let the suspension stand that the court had brought forward. And to me, it's laughable. Six games, it's unbelievable that a court would sit down and actually, with all of these counts in front of them, say, yes, I think six games is good enough to let this guy kind of just, you know, Oh, really think about what he did. And he gets $230 million on a contract on top of that to play with the Cleveland Browns. I think he needs a whole season to really think about this entire thing because sure, he's doing settlements with people. He's doing things to kind of like put this all under the rug and the NFL knows it. And I'm glad they're stepping up and doing something about it because my big thing is disciplinary action in this league has been very questionable in terms of suspensions that people are given. Like, for instance, I'm trying to Martivis, Bryant, and Josh Gordon suspended for very long amounts of time because of marijuana. And then other suspensions going on, like Deflate Gate and all these other things. I mean, Deflate Gate, four games, whatever. It is what it is. But getting suspended for a whole season for marijuana and then with Calvin Ridley getting suspended over gambling on his own team for an entire season, yet we're seeing Deshaun Watson get six games when you have 25 women lining up and saying he sexually assaulted them and performed sexual misconduct with them. That should not be tolerated. This is just, it's, I'm glad the league is stepping up and saying, all right, the people have spoken and even these women have spoken and we hear your voices and that's why we need to appeal this decision. So for me, Deshaun Watson needs to pay for what he did. And obviously it's not going to be jail time because if it was a person like you and me, we wouldn't see the light of day if we had 25 women lining up and saying all this stuff. But for an athlete like him, he's invincible in a way. And he kind of knows it. He's got the money and the power. And at the end of the day, I feel like the NFL needs to step up in a way and say, look, you don't have all of that. And we will make sure you pay for these crimes you've committed one way or the other. Yeah. So there, there's a couple, there's a couple things that, that stick out to me with this entire thing. Number one, the NFL has been wildly inconsistent with all of their rulings. Like you mm-hmm. said, like D- Calvin Ridley is out, is out of the league for a year for, for gambling, but this guy got six games and Josh Gordon is out of the league indefinitely because of marijuana use. Now, to add context onto the onto Josh Gordon's marijuana use, he it's not that he was suspended all that time just for one time. He did it over and over and over again. Yeah, it just got it just piled up as it as things went on. But still, and so another thing to look at is what I'm worried about with this with this case. Now that the NFL appealed it, is this thing could drag out. And it could go way, way deep into the regular season and possibly beyond it. And meanwhile, Deshaun Watson's playing with the with the Browns. And 
They could get through a whole season. Deshaun Watson leads the team to a playoff, uh, to a playoff berth. They go, they go, they go deep into the postseason. Perhaps win a Super Bowl, and Deshaun Watson becomes the hero of Cleveland for leading the team to a Super Bowl victory. How bad does that look? That it looks this, it looks awful because this because now this guy no no issue with there's there's all and look look at this as an NFL fan and I look at it through I I, I use Antonio Brown as a as a reference to this. So all the stuff that he did, he kind of basically just went nuts for an entire year, including two assault allegations. Then he served his nine-game suspension. He went to the Bucs. He helped Tom Brady and company win the Super Bowl. And a lot of NFL fans went and said, I respect him. Great redemption story. He helped him win a Super Bowl. He's a great guy now. What, what does being good at a sport make? How does that, how does that make you a better person? Like being good at something, you come back and like it is impressive that you're able to to work through all these distractions, but like it doesn't make you any better of a person. That's you know yeah, and this is where that's the issue here. Like yeah, NFL fans are weird. The in any sports fan, it's really just diving into like the psychological aspect of the fans themselves. Because at the end of the day, what 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 people do for entertainment, sports is entertainment. That's just the way it is. People are come for the spectacle. And the fact is, these athletes are spectacular with what they do. They're one of a kind. They're the reason why they got drafted, why they're given the big bucks, because they can make big plays. And at the end of the day, it's sad to say that people kind of forget about some of the things these people do outside of the game and really kind of just focus on what they do on the field. And it's disappointing. But I mean... We saw it with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, once again, suspended, cut from the Chiefs, gets a second chance with the Browns, and it's almost like people forgot everything he did when he assaulted his girlfriend a while back, punched her in the face for crying out loud. He still got a chance to play, and people kind of forgot about that. It's just very weird because it's just one of those things where the sight of an athlete performing at the highest level of expectation is enough for people to forget. And it, it's just the way it is. I mean, hey, I, I've I've kind of caught myself kind of when like kind of did a double take and was kind of like, whoa, wait a second. What's up with this guy? You know, he's you know, at the end of the day, they're good athletes, but are they good people? That's where you kind of have to draw the line in a way and kind of think about it. You don't have to love them. Like, obviously, Deshaun Watson, if I had to talk about him in terms of his ability to play on the field, it's it's unbelievable. And it's one of a kind. But as a person. No, I, I mean, if I if I saw that guy, I would walk the other way. It's just one of those things where I'm like, hey, he can play the game. He can play the game at the highest you can expect from a quarterback. But as a person, I would want nothing to do with him. Absolutely. So and, and you brought up Kareem Hunt. This is another this is another sign of their inconsistent the, the league's incons- inconsistency. or is that is that a word? Inconsistency. In, 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 inconsistency. Right, right, right. Yeah. minor brain fart there. So (laughs) that's just another sign of their inconsistency. Ray Rice is out of the league for exactly what, what Kareem Hunt did. And they were both caught on tape. Like there's hard evidence. You saw this happen when there's, when there is, when there is hard evidence, like it's proven that this happened, he should be out of the league. Like 100%, like completely out of the league. Mm -hmm. And 
he's not. He's back. Nine game suspension. Now, one thing you could at least you can at least say, while there's so the he just to add just to add some context to what is to what is to some of the complications with the Deshaun Watson case. Mm-hmm. Number one, there's 24 confirmed cases. 24, which is an extremely high likelihood that some that something happened. However, the complication comes where there technically, technically, was not enough hard evidence to say mm-hmm. this definitely happened. Yeah. Now, even if it didn't, though, there's there's something that he did wrong in order to get 24 people to to accuse him of something like this. Yeah. So either and it's way, all, it's a lose-lose. Yeah, and but, it's almost like a little tough to imagine in a way that it's like, oh, so these people all just got together and decided let's conspire against this one this one person in particular. It's hard to believe that because sexual assault is really serious, really serious. So, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that these people just got together and were like, you know what? We don't really like this guy, Deshaun Watson. Let's just, you know, try and ruin his career. It's like something happened. If 24 of you suddenly were like, he did this to me, he did that to me. And it's like, yeah, you, it's too good. To, it's, it's right there. There's no way that this could be a, some type of conspiracy. Yeah. And, and false accusations of assault do of uh, those do happen, but, and, and there is a good chance that some of them are, some of them are false, but when there's 24 of them, there's no chance that all of them are, or at least a very low likelihood that all of them are false accusations. It's, it's almost a conspiracy theory. Yeah. So it's just, it's a tough situation to look at. Yeah. And the, and like you said, and I obviously like, there's not enough concrete evidence to prove it, which is understandable because like you said, with the Ray Rice tapes and the cream hunt tapes, we saw it, but we didn't see it with these people because it was in a massage room. That's something you can't have a security camera in because it's privacy. It's one of those things where it's not an elevator with the, where these other two guys did that. So, I mean, it's a, like you said, it's really tough to kind of decipher what's going on here. But I think at the end of the day, really it's enough to really decide to take much more serious action, considering you have so many people lining up and saying, you know, this guy did, this guy did me wrong. in the, yeah. one of the worst ways possible. So and the re- I'm sorry. No, that's basically yeah. where I was ending it off. I mean, it's, it's just, it's tough. It's really tough because you want something to happen a certain way, but I don't think everybody's going to be able to eat their cake at the end of this. And, and the reason I'm still, even with, even with that, without any concrete evidence, I'm still in favor of a, of a very long suspension for this guy. It's that like, even it's the, it's the fact that even if this guy didn't, even if, even if like by some small, tiny chance, this, this all didn't happen, it's still, he, he put himself in a poor position and it Mm -hmm. still makes it it's a very bad look on the league to, for them to keep it in, to keep them in here. And even so, the like, Cleveland Browns, because this is a team that decided, you know what, let's take a chance on this guy. And then not only that, make him one of the richest quarterbacks in NFL history. It's just, it's a bad look all over the place. And now they have to eat the shit pie. It's the best way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right there. Um, 
Do you have anything else to touch on with, with this subject? The my final my final thing that I'd have to say is I just hope the league does its due diligence and they make the proper ruling. Yeah, and I really hope this doesn't drag out throughout the season. Yeah, because then 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 you have Deshaun Watson playing a full year, and uh, and honestly, best case scenario if this goes through the regular season, it's an Ezekiel Elliott type case where yeah, and the Cleveland Browns. They're such a desperate organization to win a Super Bowl, to win a playoff game that you know they're going to play him. So at the end of the day, it still looks bad on them as well. So there's there's a lot of bad things going on here. It's just not a good look. Yeah, it's it's not a bad look all around. And another thing is uh, that we haven't touched on the Texans. They covered all of this up, and <laughs> that's not a good look for them. If they're, no. if they're covering it up and I hear from, and I hear the theory, I, I understand the theory and I'm not sure whether or not this holds any water, but the, I hear a lot. I get a lot of people in, uh, in my DMS on our page saying, well, like for all we know, technically the Texans could have been the ones paying these people off to make these accusations. I mean, that's tough to believe too, because it's almost like, well, do you really want to get rid of this guy that bad? Like, do you want him? Like, this is a generational player. This is a quarterback. We'll never see someone like him for a very long time. It's just one of those things where you like, when you see a great athlete out there, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Tom Brady, but this guy could at least win a Super Bowl. This guy has a potential to be in the Hall of Fame one day if he keeps a good career up on the field. And now I'm losing my train of thought all over again. But okay, yeah, back back on the point though. It's just one of those things where, yeah, I lost it. It's gone. <laughs> but yeah. basically, no, no. But you get where I was going with that, right? Yeah, I, I get what you were going with it. I just, I think, I think the mo, I think what they're saying is the motive there is that the Texans want to throw dirt on this guy's reputation to the go. point where he becomes borderline untradeable. Yeah. And the and I hear the theory, but, I mean, that's just – it's a it little extreme, don't you think? Like, yeah, it it's possible, but, like, it's pretty extre- – it's basically a conspiracy theory, but I guess if it any, is possible. Yeah. If anything, no, they just – they wanted him off the team regardless. I mean, he, he was just, like – he was he, – that was a problem. And to say that they paid people off to be like, yay, you know, just to like accuse him, that's really stingy of the organization. If that's true, then, well, then we have to rethink everything. But I think it's too it's too early to start saying stuff like that right now. There would have to be a much larger investigation, and I doubt we'll get that at this point. I think Houston did the right thing in terms of benching him for a whole season and saying he's not going to play a single snap. But I think it's more of the league's fault for not taking action last year and doing something about it. I mean, they kind of just accepted the Texans for what they did. They should have had some type of punishment go on there. Yeah. And I guess the, I guess the reason this, this all, this comes out to a lot of fans is because it came right after he requested a trade from the Texans. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, he, he requests a trade and then it turned and then all of the all of these accusations pile up 
from what was it like about 10 years prior back in like 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just an interesting situation. It's just something that we'll probably never truly get a clear answer on. I mean, we could, but the likelihood of that happening would have to be Watson owning up to something, which we all know damn well he's not going to do. Probably not. There's, there's no way, but although, although his reputation is already, is already gone. Yeah. It's not like Alex Rodriguez with PEDs where he can, you know, set, well, he can literally say, no, I didn't do that. But then say, oh yeah, I did that, which is exactly what he did. Deshaun Watson will not go back on something like this because this will tarnish, tarnish his reputation and image forever. So we'll never get a true answer, but I hope we get some type of ruling soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get more. There'll get be an investigation that goes into his plan into this plenty of news that will come out. Uh, but, and stay tuned for that because we will cover it on this show. But in the meantime, we're on our next week of fantasy sleepers, which has gone into quarterbacks. So we, so Shet and I are going to name each three sleepers at the quarterback position going into this season. That's next. Don't go anywhere. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast. I'm Adam Wright, special guest Chris Hitu, and we were on to week two of our fantasy sleepers. And last week we did, so we, we doubled up on it and we went tight ends and defenses. And now we're on to quarterbacks. So, so with all, the, all three of these positions in fantasy, it's important to understand they're kind of more like, and I, I guess you can say maybe not tight end, but it's kind of one of those options where it becomes a streamer at that at some point. And there's there and especially defense and quarterback, very very deep positions, and you can get away with streaming them. With the the same cannot be said with running backs and wide receivers. So this is a position with lots of depth, and we're gonna jump right into it. So, Chris, give me your first quarterback sleeper. So, starting at number three for me, my quarterback sleeper today is going to be Tua Takabailoa. Now, this is a guy who I have to say, since he came into the league, I wouldn't say disappointing in his ability to play the game. He's proven to be a solid starter, but he's very much middle of the pack the way he's played. And sure, he's had his injuries and his ups and downs here and there with the team that he was first drafted to. And there was even talks this offseason that he might get moved to Houston in a trade for Deshaun Watson. But the team decides, hey, we're going to keep him. He's our man going forward. 
And they gave him a lot of talent these past few years in terms of setting himself up in a great position. I think this year is probably one of the best positions to a talk of is going to be in. So I think you got to jump on him in this year's draft because you got players on that team now like Tyree Kill in a trade from Kansas City. Jalen Waddle from last season, 1,000 yards, 100 catches on the season. You got the speed right there from those two guys, and you got speed in the backfield. Getting Raheem Mostert, that was a huge move by this team. And then Mike Gesicki. Mike Gesicki has proven to be a very solid tight end, a veteran player throughout. I mean, it's a little much. Don't listen to the complete hype that Tyreek Hill puts out saying he's better at throwing than Patrick Mahomes. That, to me, is hogwash. Bullshit. Makes no sense to me. I mean, it's Tua. But, hey, Tua talk of Iloa. I think with the talent that he's got surrounded with him this season, he's going to put up pretty good numbers. Because if you look at the numbers he put up the last couple seasons, 1,800 in his rookie season, 2,600 in 2021. 2022, I'm going to expect him to get around 3,000 to 3,500 passing yards. Yeah, that's a good one. And I think the biggest difference from last year to this year is not just the fact that they got Tyreek Hill to add on to that unbelievable wide receiving and just pass catching corpse is they got some protection for Tua because in the past couple of years, he's been getting killed. Yeah. Now they have a legitimate left tackle in Taron Armstead after adding in who, who would, who did they add? They added Isaiah Wilson. I'm not sure. I they, pulled they up the added roster. Somebody who was a former first round pick. It didn't work out for him because Dolphins. he just, it, it was, he, it was an attitude issue with him. Wasn't okay. showing up to practices, and when he did, he'd show up late. <laughs> and then it, I, I, I completely forgot. I, I'm completely forgot the name, and maybe um, I just got it right. But um, either way, they got they finally got a reliable piece in Taron Armstead. They spent the money, and it's it's was it Connor Williams? I don't think so. Okay, I, I know he's his a first guard. name is Isaiah. I know his first. Hmm. It, it was a tackle. It was a tackle mm. they got last year. And he got him for cheap because attitude issues. He only started a couple of games uh, the prior season that he was on. And yeah. I think he was first-round pick for the t- the Tennessee Titans, I believe. Hmm. It was a tackle. Isaiah Wilson, you said. But Isaiah. either way, either way, they got uh, – either way, they got uh, – they got Taron Armstead – that's protection for him. On top of that, all those all those weapons to throw to. So now he has time and he has weapons. So big time for him. But I'm going to go a different direction into the NFC, the NFC West. Vikings quarterback, Kirk Cousins. So Cousins has always been a type that you could stream through fantasy. Just about every year he's been with the, with the Vikings. The issue with him is inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, he'll have just a really bad game. Yes. <laughs> they, it's kind so, of been a given with him at this point. Yeah, and especially on Monday Night Football. I don't know what it is about Monday Night – what Monday nights – I know Mondays aren't the best, but – He just I mean, can't handle not. the prime time. He can't handle it, and he can't handle big moments either. Mm-hmm. And it took a change in leadership because that whole offense around him is pretty good. Good mm-hmm. running game, solid, solid pass protect, pass protection, and great wide receivers in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. So you take <clears> out the <throat> defensive-minded coach in Mike Zimmer, 
and you bring in offensive-minded head coach Kevin O'Connell, who's been around plenty of great offensive minds. He was just recently with the Rams, who utilized Cooper Cup to perfection, and now they have that Cooper Cup-type player in Justin Jefferson. So Kirk Cousins is going to be trusted to throw a lot more, and they're going to use Justin Jefferson a lot more. And if defenses dare to double-team Justin Jefferson, then you got the other guy on the other side in Adam Thielen. So putting the ball in his hands a lot more and Mm -hmm. putting in a better better offensive system I think will help Kirk Cousins a lot. Remains to be seen whether he can eventually grow to win those big games, but I think he'll develop a lot more consistency this season, and I think we'll see a career year out of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so. I mean, Kirk Cousins... He's just been he's been in a very interesting situation throughout his career in terms of the way he's played. And I mean, kind of, before I kind of get into him, because I do like this pick, but the Stefan, I mean, Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson. I don't know if you've seen him chirping about Cooper Cup recently about him saying, oh, like in terms of wide receiver lists, he put himself higher on the list than Cooper Cup. Oh, I've heard it. And and <laughs> Cooper Cup said today he respectfully disagrees with that. And I'd have to say the same thing because Cooper Cup proved last year he's the best receiver in this league right now. Justin Jefferson's up there. I put him easily in the top 10. But I do like how they get the Rams offensive coordinator because they're going to find out a much better way of utilizing Justin Jefferson. However, for Kirk Cousins this year, it's going to be a little bit tougher because that window is slowly getting a lot close to being closed completely because Adam Thielen, he's getting up there in age. And last year was probably one of his more low tiered seasons. He was hurt a lot last year. And I mean, it's just, he's not playing the same way that he used to. He's in his thirties at this point. So Justin Jefferson's that guy. They really are going to have to lean on a lot, but for Kirk last year was a career year for this guy. I mean, 33 touchdowns and seven picks. That's the least amount of interceptions he's had since coming to the Minnesota Vikings. And He just put on a show. He really did. And I he still has Dalvin Cook in that backfield. They got to keep him healthy somehow because, as we know in this league, there is no true running back one anymore because everything's by committee. These guys just get hurt too easily at this point. But I think Kirk would be a great pick for a sleeper. You're talking about an NFC North that has drastically gotten weaker with the departure of Devontae Adams. You still have Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. He will still cause an issue, but a definitely a much weaker wide receiver core and offensive core in Green Bay. Chicago, Justin Fields, I don't trust him enough to really say that he has a shot to really do much in this division. He's most going to have to rely on that defense. But then when you and then Detroit, I mean, Jared Goff, he's just going to be struggling there for quite some time. I mean, they did draft some pretty good rookies in this year's draft, but going to take time to develop that team for a while so i think kirk cousins is definitely going to be a guy to look at this year he might not even be really a streaming option this year he could be somebody that you keep on your bench or potentially in your starting position if he has a great season because the north is definitely looking a lot weaker this year than it has in recent memory right and as i said like kirk uh kirk cousins has already been that type of player who you can who you can start and as, as at least a streaming option, just because he's shown a little bit of inconsistency. Uh, one, one thing I will say about Justin Jefferson versus Cooper cup is the fact that he's brought up Cooper cup to say that I can be the Cooper cup of this offense. 
during the same stretch of time that they just got Kevin O'Connell, their former offensive coordinator. <clears throat> That's mm. interesting. Yeah. It tells me what uh what exactly they're trying to do with with Justin Jefferson here. And mm. I'm not trying to compare the two. I'm just just saying that those two it looks like he's going to have a similar role and that Kevin O'Connell fa uh, favors him as that type of player to use heavily. And they're going to try and duplicate that offense with now the difference from Kirk, Kirk Cousins to to Matthew Stafford is pretty large, but to look at, I mean, he is a capable quarterback and yeah. Justin Jefferson is more than capable of a wide receiver. So I'm excited to see this offense go, but I'd also, I'm also excited to get your second sleeping quarterback. Who's your next guy? So my next guy, it's a respectable pick. And I mean, most people don't really have this as questionable I guess you'd say I wouldn't even say it's questionable but at the end of the day it's just one of those things new guy in a new system my guy is out in the AFC West Russell Wilson recently just traded from the Seattle Seahawks I guarantee most people will be looking at Russell Wilson this season but you're not looking at a wide receiver core like he had in Seattle with the talents of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf now you got people like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy which are very viable fantasy options for him to throw to but it's a different style of offense, a different team. But I still think Russell Wilson is one of those guys that you are probably going to sleep on. And I think he is ready. You've seen him in training camp and heard that he's saying he's really excited and he thinks this team can make a push this year for the postseason. And Russell Wilson has even proven in fantasy when he's healthy. He's one of the top guys to go to. And even like in 2020, 40 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. 25 touchdowns last year to six, even though he was injured. This is a guy who keeps the numbers for interceptions. He hasn't had more than 13 picks in his career. So for me, this guy, once again, even though he may not seem like a sleeper option, some of you will sleep on him because he is on a new team. But I guarantee do not sleep on him because he is somebody who will put up numbers. Yeah, and I, I was going to say about Russell Wilson is that, yeah, like – I, I like Russell Wilson this year, and I like him so much, though, that I'm not sure, like, at least in, in, at least in my opinion, that he's a sleeper at all. Mm -hmm. But to, the, to your point, I know there's going to be some people just because of the change in team. And you always see it with these superstars who move teams. They always dip in draft boards a yep. little bit through fantasy for almost just, just because they change teams. And... Looking at this Denver Broncos roster, I've said it for years. If that team just gets a quarterback with the young talent they have around them, then that team explodes and they're automatically, I say, contenders. Yeah. And now they have them. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and not Tim, not Tim Patrick anymore, but yep. they do still have K, KJ Hamler mm -hmm. and a very good running, running duo. That's a team that Russell Wilson is going to cook with that, I mean, it's it's going to be incredible. So, yeah, yeah I, lo I love Russell Wilson this year. I don't see him as a sleeper, but I know a lot of people are just going to be just over. You see so much overthinking, especially during this draft season, and that's going to happen here. People are going to think, ooh, but that's a team that might finish last because he's on a new team. And yeah. because he's on a new team, then he's <clears> going <throat> to be unfamiliar with the playbook. The playbook gets easy when you have all those all those weapons to throw to you. Yeah. Um, but my second guy, and he's still on he's he's on the same team that he's been his whole career, is Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts was a good fantasy quarterback 
to kind of stream last year. And now he has A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith to, tro- to throw to. The protection continues to get better. Solid, solid rushing. Uh, at least he can rush. But the running backs he have, I guess, are they're fine. They're good. Good enough. They are what they are. Yeah. But his rushing ability with all of these weapons is going to is going to be what sets apart him from everybody else. And you see it a lot with these rushing quarterbacks because the dual threats, they always they rack up the yardage, they get the rushing touchdowns, they get the passing touchdowns, and they're always the underrated piece. Kind of like Lamar Jackson earlier mm-hmm. on in his career, everyone slept on him. Then he was the unanimous MVP. Mm-hmm. So, and there was the same thing with with uh, Kyler Murray. You see it a lot with these rushing quarterbacks, and now he has pieces to throw to. So, I think he's a guy who could really blow up. Yeah, because mobile quarterbacks have always been a hit or miss in this league because it's one of those things where they've got the duality, but it also with that duality comes a little bit of a danger to it because this is a guy who could easily get hurt because he puts his body in a position where he could get cracked by some outside linebacker, defender, secondary player, strong safety. Those type of guys come in hard, especially when they got a quarterback coming right out and they're like, ooh, I want to take this guy out for sure, really make his head ring. So Jalen Hurts, this is a guy who, when he came into the league, I was like, this guy's going to suck. But last year, he really changed my mind a bit. I mean, just by the way he produced in his second year, after only get, he still got a thousand yards in his rookie year when he didn't really play too often. And then in his second year, 3,144 passing yards, only had 16 touchdowns through the air to nine picks, but he had 10 rushing touchdowns. That really says a lot, considering his number one guy was Devontae, was Devontae Smith. But now you got Smith, you got Dallas Godert, and now you got A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is a top 10, top 15 wide receiver people. So this yeah. is a guy who I 100% think is going to be a sleeper option, but a lot more people are going to be keeping an eye on him this year because of that trade they made in this year's draft. So I really like the pick here with Hertz. I think it's solid, and I think it's something that people need to utilize if he's on your draft board. Yeah, and like, and I, I completely lost my track of thought, uh, train of thought. Um, but how, how about you just give me your number three? Absolutely. So my number one guy that some people are probably going to sleep on just because of the name of what he's done in for this team. But at the end of the day, I think last season really should make, make people think a little bit differently before they just decide to pass on him. I'm going with Derek Carr. Derek Carr has hands down had such a very interesting career with the Raiders because since his start, he really hasn't been somebody that you just jump on. There was that one year with Amari Cooper on the team where this Raiders team almost won the AFC West. They might have won the AFC West that year, but he got injured. And then the team fell apart, really. The chemistry wasn't there. Cooper got moved to Dallas at the time, and he started back from square one until Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs got drafted to the team, but now you add Devontae Adams, a former college teammate to the team. And just last season, without um what's his name? He got arrested last year. What I'm really drawing a blank. Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs the third gets arrested. And even on top of that, 
This guy puts up 4,800 passing yards. This is a top five in passing yards in the league this past season. And now you got Devontae Adams. This guy is going to really light it up this year. And I think people might try and sleep on him a bit just because it's Derek Carr and there's other great options out there, but I don't think you can. And it's one of those things where I think Derek Carr is really going to set himself back in the driver's seat and prove to people that he may be one of these top 10 quarterbacks. Man, Derek Carr. Let me tell you a story about 2016 Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. My first, it was, which happened to be my first year playing fantasy football. Wow. Now I knew a lot about football, but like it's a, it's tough. It's a, there's a difference between you know real life football and fantasy football. So it's safe to say that people like everyone in my league. So all my friends were we were kind of hanging around in my one of my buddies' basements. I was in it was my junior year in high school. <clears throat> and after my draft day, after my draft, everyone was laughing at me. Because I had Brock Osweiler as my backup quarterback. Oh my God. But, <laughs> That's rough. But he was the backup, and he's kind of a player who had just signed that big deal with the Texans. And he, was, he showed some promise, so I'm like, all right. He could be an underrated piece. So I packaged him in and requested a trade for somebody else's backup in Derek Carr. So I think I traded – it was Crabtree, Michael Crabtree, before, right. his, before his career year in Brock Osweiler, and I managed to get Derek Carr. And I, and I had Amari Cooper at the time. Mm, that's a good pair and, right there. And I traded Mark Ingram – who was a saint in both senses of the word, by the way. Yeah. Traded Mark Ingram for Latavius Murray. So I had Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, and Latavius Murray. In my first year in playing fantasy football, those three led me to a 10-4 and four season. I lost. The, so I, I went one and done in the playoffs. But 10-4 and uh, four season, my first year. 10-4. That four, is great. I was like, damn. And it was all because I trade I traded for Derek Carr, and I'm like, man, this guy has a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't he hasn't done anything through fantasy since. And that's the thing with Derek Carr. I've had debates with so many people on Derek Carr throughout his career because I've had people say Derek Carr sucks. Who would you take between him and Dak Prescott? And it's like, well, obviously I'm going to take Prescott. But at the end of the day, you kind of have to look a little bit closer at the two because Dak Prescott, yeah, top five quarterback. Hands down, easily in this league right now. But Derek Carr, he has an argument where he could potentially break that if he really puts up a big year with the weapons he has. I mean, like I said, former college teammate in Devontae Adams and a guy who, with Aaron Rodgers, has been nothing short of one of the top five in football at the wideout position. So for Derek Carr, I think he's he's a good quarterback. He really is. And people doubt him so much just because of the organization it's with and what the players he has surrounding him with. But I think this year, all of that needs to be put to bed because I think he's really going to prove something that he is not just this forgotten quarterback in the NFL. I think he has a chance to really make some noise and potentially who knows, take the Raiders to a division title. That's still, that's still a very, very big possibility. It's possible. It's possible. Now, they have good pass catchers around him. So, Devontae, Devontae Adams, actually, he's better than good. He's great. Yeah. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, 
how do you feel about that offensive line? How do you feel about that defense? We're just going to go a little bit off because yeah. I because mean, it's Derek Carr. Just a little. Just we'll touch briefly, but so the O line surrounding I mean, situation. The O line's definitely going to be one of the big questionable things because that's definitely very. They're very good with run blocking. Pass protection has always been an issue with them for that team. So that's something that they might have to look out for in this upcoming season. So that's something they're going to have to keep an eye out because last year he was sacked 40 times. That's the second highest in his career. He was sacked 51 times back in 2018. 2021 was sacked 40 times. He was one of the highest sack quarterbacks in the league. So that's something to keep an eye out for. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to have to limit his interception numbers. He had 23 touchdowns to 16 picks, and that definitely came with pocket pressure being an issue. But yet he still passed for nearly 5,000 passing yards. So there is something to be said about that. I think he's just going to have to develop more patience. I'm sure after last season, he's probably learned from that, looked at the tape and decided what he's going to have to do this season to improve. But that defense, getting Max Crosby back on a big-time contract was huge, and then training for Chandler Jones from the Arizona Cardinals, that was huge too. So now you've already got a very solid pass rush out of two solid pass rushers because that's something that Las Vegas was missing was another guy to compliment Max Crosby. The secondary is going to be a little bit touchy, but I think it's solid enough to the point where this team can survive through yeah. tough, the toughest of games. But once again, to get the monkey off their back, they're going to have to take down the Kansas City Chiefs. And we've seen them do it before in the spotlight. Derek Carr is no stranger to the affair between him and Patrick Mahomes. And I'm sure that this season we could see a very tough divisional matchup, not just between them, but the other two teams, because this is definitely going to be the toughest division in football. Division is going to be a rock fight. I'm I'm so excited to see these two, these I, I all four wait. of these teams play, and like the whole the whole the whole AFC too. Absolutely, like the AFC our AFC East, the AFC North, especially if Deshaun Watson plays a big portion of the of the yeah. season. I think the it's, only one we could write off is the South at this point. Yeah, the South, I guess. That's basically going to be a two-horse race, if that, because there's Indianapolis, and then there's the Titans, and the Texans are still in rebuild mode, and the Jaguar, Jack, Jacksonville, Jacksonville is also in a rebuild. They're still figuring things out, and those contracts they made were just gross, <laughs> stupid, 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 stupid. Christian but, Kirk made no sense getting signed that much money. Oh, a lot. You know what? But a lot, a lot of elite wide receivers loved that contract because that's the reason why they're getting grossly overpaid. Yeah. Because then they're saying justifiably, if he, if this, if this bum can get, or at least I, I won't say bum, this <laughs> above average wide receiver two, if that can get this big contract, then me, superstar Devonte Adams or superstar Tyreek Hill can get a lot more than this guy. Mm-hmm. But um, without further ado, my so to getting back on fantasy football. Yep. My third sleeper is Trey Lance. Now I saved my favorite pick for last because I think a lot of people are worried about early reports from when he was first drafted and saying, well, it doesn't look like he's adjusting to the big league level that well. He's still learning the playbook. That's all kind of gone away. It's faded out. And there haven't been really been reports of that since. It's mm-hmm. all been just people looking way back and saying, oh, because there were reports early on, 
then there, then that means he's going to have issues now. Let me tell you something. When Patrick Mahomes was first entering into the league, when Lamar Jackson first entered into the league, there were there were issues whether or not they could throw the football. Mm-hmm. They were saying, well, from reports in training camp, this guy, this guy can't throw. Patrick Mahomes can't throw going into his second year. He's going to be a bum. He's going to be – he's going to be – he threw 50 touchdown passes that year. And yeah. Lamar Jackson going into that second year, unanimous MVP. Both of them yeah. were MVPs. Yeah. Am I saying Trey Lance is going to be a league MVP? I'm not. But now that I think of it, I wouldn't rule it out. And there, with there's the a possibility. Has, with the team he has around him, George Kittle, if he stays healthy, Brandon Ayuk, if he gets the opportunities. <laughs> Um, Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel. Now that he's back, with but behind that great <laughs> offensive line, a defense that still functions well, all the pieces are there. Yeah. So if this kid can really play. Then the sky, the sky's the limit for this kid. I really do like Trey Lance going into this year, and he's a great fantasy pick. And you can probably get him late on your draft boards, who could become that starter, who maybe an MVP candidate, maybe. Just maybe. Just maybe. Just maybe. I mean, time will tell, but I, I really like Trey Lance. I mean, I haven't seen enough to really say much, but in the games he's played, the two games that he started in, he was rock solid. He was a good start for the Niners, and they definitely found a very good pick in Trey Lance. And it was interesting because if they didn't trade up in the draft, this team was targeting Mac Jones. So that was one of those things that most people don't know about is that this organization wasn't really just looking at Trey Lance, but they decided, hey, we'll take a chance on this guy. But it was also very interesting because even last year, they were like, this guy's not ready. He will not be starting in 2022. We're not even sure if he's going to be ready for the limelight. And yet they surprised us a couple weeks ago by sitting both Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance down and told Jimmy Garoppolo, this isn't your team anymore. We're turning where this is, this is Trey's team now. So they suddenly have a lot of confidence in this guy. And I mean, from what I'm seeing, I'm right there with them. But I want to see more. I mean, hey, it makes sense. You you drafted this guy was the number three overall pick in the draft two year a year ago now. You have to give him a shot. This is this is top five in talent in that draft. You have to give this opportunity to him. So I mean, I think we'll see. We'll see some very good production out of him this year, especially with the weapons that he's got there. I I, I like Trey Trey Lance. Great, yeah, and, yeah, and you re- you really do have to give him that chance when he's the number four overall pick, and like it, it does also say something about that team that Jimmy Garoppolo and respect to Jimmy Garoppolo because he's still a functional court functional level quarterback, but. They were able to still, even with with Garoppolo injured too, go to the AFC Championship, excuse me, NFC Championship, with, with the chance to go to the Super Bowl. Like there were a few opportunities where they actually might have had it. In fact, I think there was a missed call where there was a pick and there was a there was yep. which would have sealed the game for the 49ers. Jaquiski Tart dropped an interception. That's what it was. There you I go. Remember. Yeah, that would have been the- it. Yeah. And that's the thing. People, I've had this argument with so many of my friends, so many people about Jimmy G because people like to just throw him off to the side and be like, this guy's a bum. And I'm like, are you serious? He was in the Super Bowl two years ago. The whole reason they weren't in the playoffs last year is because they were all hurt. 
the whole team was injured. They were all banged up. And then this past season, if you're going to tell me Jimmy G is not a viable option to surround your franchise around potentially, then you're just not seeing the opportunity there. He was in the playoffs playing with a hurt shoulder. Could you expect more out of the dude? I don't think he can. He put on quite a performance last year. He he took down the Rams twice in the regular season. They were the only team to do that in their whole division. And they almost beat him again in the conference championship to go to the Super Bowl. While he was so, hurt. While he was hurt. So for people to say, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is a bum, you are you're sorely mistaken. And this was definitely a tough decision by the Niners organization because they have two very good options, but they had to pick the young buck because he needs the opportunity. You're right. You're right. I will not have, I will not have the Jimmy Garoppolo slander. This kid played well for the Patriots when he was here Mm -hmm. and was going to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady and you new England fans. You were very much on board with it and were pissed off when this guy was traded away. And I know we're getting a little off track because it's fantasy sleepers. But this guy, he people were pissed off that he was traded for the to the 49ers because we said this is going to be our heir apparent to Tom Brady. Then he goes to the 49ers two years later, because unfortunate ACL tear. Two years later, they're in the Super Bowl. And then again, Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt, which has kind of been the knock his whole career is that he's just been injury prone at, right after that they go to the NFC championship and almost beat him mm-hmm. with a chance to go with a chance to go back to the Super Bowl and then unfortunately they didn't they didn't make it but maybe if Jimmy Garoppolo's not hurt they they just they blow doors in that conference championship we'll never know but yeah moral of the story I really really wish Jimmy Garoppolo well wherever he, he winds up and maybe perhaps he could be a fantasy sleeper for us too. He wherever potentially he, could. Where, wherever he lands, if he lands anywhere, because mm-hmm. I guess they're I guess the 49ers have a have a big ask, asking price. But I'm sure a team yeah. will get desperate for a quarterback. I'm sure he I, I'm sure he need he'll probably get moved because the Niners are there's no way they're gonna want to pay that massive contract they have him on if this guy's not starting. They they need to get rid of him. That's the way I look at it. Because Trey Lance, he's on a he's on a rookie deal. You got to dump the guy with more salary. This guy got paid $125 million over the course of six years. He, they, he needs to find a new home at this point. Yeah, I, I completely agree. He needs a new home, and I hope he does well wherever he goes. Um, but we do need to move on. And Chris has a guest segment where we're going to talk about young quarterbacks in their in their some desirable situations going into this year. We'll get to that next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Fans Only Sports Network. I'm Adam Wright with special guest Chris Hitu, 
And Chris has his guest segment where we are going to talk about young quarterbacks in this league going into this year. Chris, what do you got? Yeah, so this was something that definitely kind of struck me earlier today. I was thinking about the 2021 draft class, all those guys from that draft class, solid quarterbacks, great quarterback class that we haven't seen in a long time. I really want to talk about how they're probably going to perform in their second year. So to kind of look at the top three guys that I took, starting at number three for me, I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence really last season, it was a tough, tough rookie year. And this was the guy coming out of college. People were saying, this is the next Peyton Manning. This is the next franchise guy who's going to lead your team to the playoffs. He had some hype to him. He had a lot of hype. This was a team that even the Patriots were considering potentially trading up to get the number one overall pick to try and get. And that would have been amazing. But we didn't see that out of Trevor Lawrence last year. Trevor Lawrence really struggled to really get his foothold on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we really didn't see it take off until that final week against the Indianapolis Colts. But in that game, I really like what I saw out of them. Only passed for 12 touchdowns last season, 17 interceptions, definitely not good, but it is a rookie year. But passed for 3,600 passing yards on the regular season. That is something you have to know. This guy had the yardage. He just needed to figure out in terms of his accuracy. And he made an unbelievable throw against the Colts where that ball was going right off his back foot to the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. But this is a guy, I think, in his second year, they brought some people in, like Christian Kirk, onto the team. And I think this is a chance for him to really kind of figure himself out in his second year. And I think we're going to see that happen quite a bit. Trevor Lawrence is definitely a guy who you can't just write off after his rookie season. Peyton Manning holds the rookie record for the most interceptions by a rookie in NFL history, and yet he's going to he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. So, Trevor Lawrence, I think this is just one of those rocky starts to a potentially thriving NFL career. So for me, he sits at number three right now. Nice, I like it. So the so I did look at the so while you were speaking and talking and speaking on his turnovers, I did want to look at how many times he's been sacked Mm -hmm. because the protection hasn't been great in Jacksonville. 32 times last year, 32 tied for 13th most in the league. So kind of like, but if you look at all of the most sacked quarterbacks, they're all in the thirties. So Mm. it's like, it's not like, 13th is like a good spot to be in no still very bad he was he was on his ass practically every other play basically and god knows how many times he was pressured so like and then they and then this offseason they did address they did address the offensive line so the opportunities there to at least develop i don't see him being a quarterback that you see you know leading them leading the Jaguars to wins just yet because the pass catching is not there. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, we don't even know if the coaching is there. Yeah. So it's true. This Doug might Patterson be- coming back and finally, after being off the Eagles for a while, it'll be interesting to see how he does with this team. That's really kind of gone through a lot of coaches in recent memory from Doug Marone to 
what's his face from last year who was in that strip club in Cincinnati. Uh, just said his name today. It's uh, I, I know I know who you're talking about. Prick. Complete <sighs> prick. Yeah, honestly. But regardless, I mean, it's a better situation than his rookie year. And I think we'll see a lot more development this season. And like you said, a lot more pocket protection. So I like I, I like what I see in Trevor Lawrence in this upcoming season. Urban Meyer. Urban, Urban Meyer. Meyer. I was tr- I was thinking I, I was had like Urban. making a face. I was like, Urban I, Meyer. I, I, I was trying to think if I was like, was Urban his first name or his last name? Because then Didn't I started it? to get confused with Carl Urban, who is the star in The Boys. But then I was like, no, that can't be it. That can't be his name. Didn't he also make the the Nick Castellanos joke? You know, yeah. you know how there, there's always there's that whole there's that whole running joke which does hold some water, but mm-hmm. like that Nick Castellanos, the I believe he's on the Reds right now, the Cincinnati the, Reds in the MLB. Nah, he, he's on the Phillies now. On the Phillies, Phillies. Yep. Right. And every time he home runs, he he homers. It's during some awkward moment. <laughs> And yeah. there was this one time yep. where a mm-hmm. where that this, commentator, this commentator was apologizing to someone, deeply apologize as Nick Castellanos. And then Urban Meyer decided to decided to uh, do a little parody on that. And when he was when he was when he did a little apology, I, com- I completely forgot which thing he did. I think it was when he kicked his kicker. Yes. Yeah, I think and he it was said, that. "I deeply apologize." As Nick Castellanos hits, I, like what a douchebag! Like Jesus Christ, dude, just at least have some sort of class. Yeah, Be Urban Meyer was not some... a classy guy. Like, oh, and the oh. fact that he went to a strip club right after his team got blown out in Cincinnati—it's like, come on, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it was there was that one video. There was yeah. Then there's the clip, and there was that young lady with him and he has a wife and it's like oh that was at a bar i think yeah that yeah, one yeah, yeah. that, that one was at a bar Cincinnati. okay yep. yeah there's just just a long list of things but we, we we are getting a little off topic but trevor lawrence is a guy who looks like he could play but he is in a poor situation so i and which has improved so we'll see if it works out for him but i mean at the same time didn't Deshaun Watson have a, a pretty poor situation that he was in when he was in when he was on the Texans? But at the same time, the Texans were the Texans were a poor fr- were kind of what we call a poverty franchise. Mm-hmm. But they had a roster around him when they got when they drafted Deshaun Watson. Yep, yep, yeah, definitely. But now for my number two guy this upcoming year, Trey Lance. We already kind of had our talk about him, so I'll get through it really quickly. Once again. In a great situation, great setup, great system. I was tempted to put him at my number one spot. The number one spot will be a little debatable, but obviously I don't think there's much of a debate there. But regardless, Trey Lance, in a great position, great organization. This organization was very close for the past three years to nearly making it to the Super Bowl and potentially hoist, hoisting a Lombardi trophy for the Bay Area. So for me, Trey Lance... Definitely a guy we didn't get to see much of last year, but I think this season he's really going to turn it around and really show the league that he's here to stay and he's going to be one of the top dogs. Okay. Trey Lance. Like I, I, I've shown all my, I don't have much to add to that because I already mentioned it in the previous segment, how much, how, how much I love Trey Lance going into this year. Mm-hmm. Great, uh, great talent. It, it's all, it was all raw talent and it was going to be a project. 
Now yep. he's going into year two where it's like, okay, let's see what you got. And a great and a great team around him, good coach who is offensive minded, who fits their scheme. It all works out. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add to that. Who's, yeah. who's your number one then? Because so many you said people, it's between two guys, so let's hear it. Yeah, so many people would say this pick is biased by any stretch of the word, but Matt I mean, Jones. Mac Jones, hands down, was the best quarterback of that draft class last year, and I think he's going to do it again. I mean, this guy was hands down in the best situation coming out of the draft, and now he's in the best situation going into his second year. You're talking pairing him with the greatest coach, arguably the greatest coach in NFL history, and the great one of the greatest franchises in NFL history. And although he may not have a ton of spectacular weapons around him, he's got the pieces to be successful, and he's got the system to be successful. And this offseason, a lot of talk of him improving himself in the pass game, because what we saw last year was very similar to what Tom Brady was doing in his rookie year, and even what he did throughout his career, just these short deacon dunk passes up and down the field. But we're seeing Mac, we saw Mac Jones shine by taking some deep shots last year that actually worked out for him. And this offseason, we've heard he's really bulked up. He's really been hit, hitting the weight room a lot more. He's going in early before anybody else shows up. He's going in at like six in the morning, leaving at eight, nine at night, coming back and doing it all over the next day, studying film and then going right into practice. This is a guy who wants to win. That was in a position last year as a rookie to nearly leading his team to a division title as a rookie against the juggernaut of the Bills Mafia. So for me, Matt Jones is hands down in the best position out of all of these quarterbacks from last year going into their next season. Will he have some blues? There's potential. But I mean, right now, coming off a spectacular rookie season, throwing for 3,800 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, and only 13 interceptions. This is a guy who, once again, might have a chance to really light up the, at the quarterback position, really put the Patriots in a good spot, hopefully, to stay competitive in this much more tightly competitive AFC East. Look, I love Mac Jones going into the going into uh, year two. All the improvement and everything, all everything that he's been doing, it says it says that this guy has improved. And the situation is pretty good because he has a good offensive line around him. And I think his I think his options to throw to are actually a lot better than what people give credit for. But the issue is with the offensive coordinator issue, mm-hmm. it's not looking good out of training camp. And there are there are there are reports that like Mac Jones is kind of is frustrated with them. And look, like I said, I like Mac Jones going into this year and I, I like him probably here. Here's what I'll say. And I'll, I'll give, I'll give you my top three real quick. My top three, probably at number three, Zach Wilson. That was a name I was juggling around too. Yeah. And, And I like Trevor Lawrence, but he's probably the odd man out here. Yeah. Um, and I do, I do like the pick great. It's a, you know, uh, great draft class, and it's it's tough to pick between these guys. Yep. But uh, uh, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, then Trey Lance, and it's just because it's just it when you have a guy going into his number into his second year, you need to set him up with the best. It's it's one thing to put him around around good pieces on 
you know, with personnel wise, but you need, you need a good coaching scheme. You need a good offensive plan. <laughs> when you have those two dingbats in Matt Patricia and Joe judge who are going to be just yeah. figuring it out together. And then there's it's, word that Bill Belichick's going to enter the mix. Yeah. Like I almost, I almost would rather want Bill, but from what I'm hearing, their worst games were when Bill was, when Bill was taking the reins and then it was, mm. and then it was Josh McDaniels, his best Jones's best games were with McDaniels. So I'm really, I'm, I'm just, man. And as a Patriots fan, it pains me because mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, dude, you have, you got a top 15 overall pick. You got to nurture this guy. He's your baby. Yeah. This is your, this is your guy potentially for the next few years. Yeah. And I like, I, I don't know. I like, I like Mac Jones, but I think it's just one of those philosophies that once again, we've seen Bill Belichick put together amazing teams. And although he missed the playoffs two years ago with Cam Newton at the helm, they made the postseason last year with a rookie. And it's one of those things where I think you just have to trust what Bill Belichick's plan is. And because at the end of the day, he somehow makes it work. He really does. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's definitely a little daunting. There's three different offensive coordinators going on here, and Mac Jones's head's probably spinning, being like, well, what the hell? Who am I going to listen to more so than the other? How is this all going to cultivate and come together? But Bill has always been one of those guys where he takes the unconventional or the unexpected and really makes other teams go, whoa, well, what the heck do we do with this? He's just a master at putting out these disguised schemes and offensive game plans that really have defenses scrambling at the last second before the snap's taken when they realize what's going on. So, I mean, we'll see how it all comes together. It could end up exploding, be one of the worst, worst offenses we've seen in a while, or it could end up being a pretty solid offensive scheme that the Patriots put together. It's one of those things where we won't know until we see it. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope they figured it out. And it'll just be one of those things where time will tell with it. And I think, I, I think especially, I think with, a, with all these quarterbacks outside of Trey Lance, I like them better next year. Mm-hmm. I think Trevor Lawrence and, and Mac, jo- Mac Jones will probably throw their show their best development in year three, mm-hmm. which is usually that's kind of the, that's kind of how, how it goes with young quarterbacks is it takes them about th- the the consensus is it's three years of development. After three years, if there you still don't see anything, you move on from them. Uh, obviously, the Giants didn't get the memo, <clears throat> Daniel Jones. But yeah, I don't know. I don't like. I like him. I like him as my number two in this draft class going into next year. But it's 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 tough. It's tough. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, totally. We'll see how it pans out. Yeah, but um, do you have any other thoughts before we end the show tonight? I think I'm all good, my man. It's It's been a great time on here. I appreciate you for having me on as a guest. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It was a, it was a good show. Lots of good conversation. We'd, uh, and we'd love to hear more about this, uh, about this new podcast you have coming out soon. Yeah, event, definitely. Eventually. Definitely. And be sure to check out Unapologetic with Chet and Duffy. That's usually every Thursday at 6 p.m. We've definitely been a little slacking lately with the offseason, but season two of the show about to come to an end. Season three will kick off when the NFL regular season starts. So every Thursday at 6, we'll be going live. 
All right, man. Can't wait this. Can't wait to see it. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. Be sure to tune in to us live Tuesdays and Thursdays on Twitter and Facebook through Fans Only Sports Network. Also, be sure to follow our. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week over and out.